Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look wonderful. Look at your neighbors. Say you look extra cute today. You look extra cute. Look at your second choice, the one that you didn't want to necessarily say it to. Say you too. You look cute too. What a great weekend. What a great service, the last service we had. Our men got together on Saturday. Where are all my men at? Ooh, come on, give us a little grunt. Come on, grunt at somebody. Amen. It was good yesterday. I know you ladies have that little thing called authentic, but we get together and we have what's called strong. Strong. Right, Randy? Strong is what it's called. And yesterday we had about almost 200 men show up and your men, the men of this church, worshiping and just taking their step, uh, taking their place in the kingdom of God. It was incredible yesterday and we ate tons of bacon which is always, anything wrapped in bacon is good. So strong men's meeting wrapped in bacon. I want to say something real quick. I know this was on our announcements today. Um, uh, 19 years ago when we started this church, matter of fact, this is the month that Penny and I moved to Charlotte to begin the work here. And so we moved in March of 2002 and uh, spent the first six months praying. And Somebody told us early on, they said, you need to do four things really good to be a significant church. Um, the first thing, you got to have good worship. Don't we have good worship? Aren't our worship team is fantastic. Um, we got to have good kids' church. Our children's ministry is amazing. If you got kids, I don't know about you, but some, I just want to leave them there. <clears throat> They're so good. And then good preaching. We have good preaching. Good preaching. That wasn't nearly enough motivation today. Let me go back again. We have good preaching here at Freedom House Church. All right. Especially today. Today is good because I'm preaching. I'm proud of my humility. Come on. And the last thing that we want to make sure that we do, we, we did, is have a deliverance ministry. And I struggled with that because when I grew up and I saw deliverance ministry, I was always a little hesitant because it got weird sometimes. And so I hesitated on you know, kind of enacting that as a pastor, as a church. And we talked about it, my wife and I, the team, and we just really prayed. And it took us probably about, you know, 10 years, maybe a little less than 10 years, 11 years to really find something that worked for us. And about seven or eight years ago, we started to press into this idea of forward. And I can't tell you, 
I'll, let me say it this way. I believe it's the best thing that we do at Freedom House Church. And if you've never been through Forward, I would encourage you. It's starting this Tuesday night. It's four classes and then a weekend, and it will change your life. I promise you, it will change you forever. How many of y'all been through Forward? Raise your hand if you've been through Forward. Just, just grab one of them and ask them. I, I, they will give you an incredible testimony of what God has done in their life. We all have a past, and sometimes our past creeps into our present. And we can allow it to taint our present and keep us in the past, or we can press towards the future. And if you really want to fe- find out what freedom feels like, then go to forward. Make a commitment. It does cost money, but anything worth something you have to pay for. And so it, it costs your time. It costs a little bit of cash. It's only 40 bucks. It's worth it. And so <clears throat> make sure you participate. Come. It will change your life forever. Amen. Hey, we're starting a brand new series called How to Win Within, and we're talking about the heart. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? We took that from a non-tither this week, and so uh, (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) I don't care who you are. That's pretty funny. I mean, even if you're a non-tither, you're like, really? Like, for real? Did they do that? No, we did not. Um, We're talking about the heart, and we want to talk about what it looks like spiritually to have a heart. This is a, um, it looks like a real heart, it's not a real heart, but it it really looks like one. Um, You have a heart. Point at your neighbor, say, you got a heart. You got a physical heart, but you also have a spiritual heart. I want to talk about that spiritual heart. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, from the message paraphrase. It says this, it says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. Why? Why? Well, the writer says, that's where life starts. Not just physically, not just physically is when the the pump of your heart begins life, but that's where God can begin to live through you. Our heart is the seat by which our life springs from. I love what the King James Version, how the King James Version says. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. That word keep means to to guard, protect, govern, watch over, protect. You know, just keep a watch over it. Why? For out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. There's two great indicators of how your life is going. Your mouth, what's coming out of your mouth, and what's in your heart. And they're really tied together. You can really see a lot about somebody by what's coming out of their mouth, what they're saying on a regular basis. And the Bible tells us that our mouth is tied to our heart. You sit around, you can't fake it but so long with your mouth. Eventually your heart is gonna betray you. Your mouth is gonna betray your heart. You're gonna know what's in someone's heart. Even God said early on, he said, man, the heart of man is wicked, that's why I need to change it. Come on, point at your neighbor, say, you need a change in your heart. You need a change in your heart. So I did some study about the physical heart, found some interesting things that you may not know about the physical heart. Did you know that your heart beats 115,000 times a day? 115,000, that's a lot. Each day your heart pumps about uh, 2,000 gallons of blood every day. Over your lifetime, your heart pumps 1.5 million barrels of blood. That equals, if you just want to kind of get a picture of that, that's three super tankers full of blood in your lifetime. Did you know that laughing will improve your blood flow. Come on, everybody smile at somebody, even if you don't have teeth, just smile at them. (laughs) About 20% more blood will travel throughout your body when you're laughing, when you're happy. So laughter does do good for your 
like medicine for your, for your life. Your heart doesn't stop when you sneeze. I know a lot of people think when you sneeze, you know, you try to keep your eyes open, you can't do it. And your heart does not stop. Actually, your heart regulates. It changes in order to flow. Every day, the heart creates enough energy to drive a truck 20 miles. Enough energy. Your heart. Your heart has its own electrical impulse. It can continue to beat when it's separated from the body as long as it has oxygen. So you keep oxygen to the heart, it'll keep beating. Your heart is the hardest working muscle in your body. It does the most physical work of any muscle during your lifetime. Here's something interesting. Most heart attacks happen on Monday. I don't know if you just don't wanna go to work, decide I'll just have a heart attack, I don't know. Here's something really interesting. Uh, I know this spiritually, this happens. It says our heart beat mimics the beat of music when we listen to it. Now here's something really interesting. Caroline, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf talked about this. When we're in a corporate atmosphere of worship, did you know all of our hearts get on the same beat together? That's what's so significant about corporate worship. Things can change. You wanna know how, how hard your heart is beating? Take a tennis ball and try to squeeze it. That's how hard the muscle of your heart is. And all the blood in your body travels through your heart once every minute, every minute. So just like you have a physical heart, the Bible lets us know that we have a spiritual heart. Our heart spiritually is not our spirit, although it has a part of our spirit. It is not our soul, but it has a part of our soul. Remember, you are a spirit. Ever say, I am a spirit. Say, I have a soul and I live in a body. Okay, that's who you are. You are a spirit. By the way, ladies, every day your spirit girl has a wonderful hair day. Every day is good for her. Okay, may not operate in the body, but spiritually, you look good. Come on, look at somebody. Just say, you look good spiritually. Amen. Amen. If you're single, maybe wink at them, you know, flash your Snapchat, whatever you need to do. All right. So, so we have this spiritual heart that spring out of it springs is connected to our spirit our soul and obviously our body physically but it is the seat by which our life springs from it is the foundation by which our life is built on when we allow God into our heart not only does our spirit change but we also change emotionally willfully with our decisions, our perception, our body even changes. When we allow God to sit on the seat of our heart, when we reserve that seat for him to come and sit on the throne of our heart, our life starts in the heart. One one translation says life springs from the heart. One translation says life flows from the heart. One translation of the Bible says our heart determines the course of our life. One translation even says, our heart influences everything in our life. Your heart is very important to you spiritually. So here's what the Bible says about a heart. Let me just give you a couple thoughts here. Psalms 37 says that the heart is the seat of desire. Bible says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Heart. So that tells us that the purpose, the request, the supplication, the, the, the passion that you have in life is seated on your heart. God puts it there. And then he wants to draw it out. So when you become a Christian, when you start to become a follower of God and you lean into the Holy Spirit, what ends up happening is God takes that desire. It's already there. It's present in every one of us. We all have a desire, a purpose. 
But when we connect with God, it's like he takes the key of the spirit and unlocks that desire. And we go, oh my gosh, I'm good at that. Oh my gosh, I'm real passionate about that. And it comes out because it's seated on our heart. The Bible says that the heart is the seat of our emotions. David says in Psalms 38, he says, my heart pants. He's talking about anxiety. Our heart can become sick, the Bible says. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The heart is the seat of our moral character. It's where integrity is seated. It's where your honesty is seated. Solomon was talking about David, his dad, and he said this to God. He said, he said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and listen to what he says, and in uprightness of heart. David's character, his honesty, his integrity, all was found in his heart. The heart is the seat of our decisions, Deuteronomy 29, verse four, it says, yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive. No, he's given you a heart so you can decide. You can, choice is on the seat of your heart. It's where it springs from. If life springs, then we know life is based on your choices. Your values sit on your heart because we know that values determine choices, choices determine results. So your values are there. And then lastly, the heart is the soil of God's word. Now this is really important, really important. Because I can preach really good, man, tear it up. Pastor Aaron can preach, Pastor Stephanie can preach. They can tear it up. But if your heart is not prepared to receive it, God's word can't operate in your life. No matter, I mean, he's the God of the universe. He can do anything he wants. However, he's given us the will and the ability to receive God's word. And so Jesus made it very clear. He told his disciples, he said, listen, I'm gonna tell you a parable and this parable is the key to all parables. Because you remember Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is like and, and this, is what, this is what God's like. This is what heaven's like. This is what the kingdom is like. And then he said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who sows the word. God is the sower. He's the one who's sowing the word. And then he describes four different types of soil which are representation of our heart. You and I come into an environment like this to receive the word with a type of soil. We, we all have soil in our heart. And so the word's being sown today and it's up to you on how you have prepared your ground. So Jesus said it this way. He said, first of all, there's what's called hard soil. And he talks about it as it's like by the wayside. It's like a trail. You've seen a trail. No grass grows on a trail. Why? Because it can't, get down in, inside of it because the ground is so hard. So life can harden you. People have walked on you so much that now you're hard, you're calloused. And as a result of that, God's word comes and just kind of bounces off. Doesn't affect you. Second type of soil it talks about is what's called rocky soil or stony soil. It says, this is, this is what I like to call emotional hearts. These are hearts that get real excited. Woo, yeah, man, I'm gonna change my life. And then Monday, you know, nothing happens. Because the sun comes up, scorches the word, and it just shrivels away. Why? Because it could never get root. It's just kind of soft. The third type of heart that he talks about is what's called thorny soil. The seed grows up, but there's these weeds that are around it that choke it out. Things like distractions of life, money, success, people, 
can come along and kind of choke out the word, choke out what happened. So you can get all this stuff on Sunday and then Monday you walk into work and there's just somebody just gonna choke it out of you. But then he talks about the fourth kind of ground. Now we like to focus on the, the reward of it. He says, some receive and produce 30, 60, 100 fold. Look, I'll take 30 fold any day. I want 100, but I'll take 30. 30 times the result. And he says, that's called a good heart. Luke 8, verse 15, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Here's what they do with it. They keep it and bear fruit with, with patience. They bear fruit. So when we come and our hearts are open, correctable, teachable, God's word is sown produces fruit. And that's what we want. Now, I spent some time this week because I wanted to understand the heart. I wanted to understand how this thing worked better. And I said, I talked to a doctor, uh, one of the doctors in our church. I said, can you explain to me why people's hearts fail? What, are the, what is the number one reason that somebody's heart would fail? And this is the number one reason that people die on the earth today is, is because of what's called a heart attack. People have a heart attack. I didn't know what a heart attack was. I mean, I, you know, I've heard people that had heart attacks and prayed for people, and, 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 but I didn't understand exactly what happened to cause a heart attack. And the interesting thing is there's a correlation spiritually that can happen to us just like physically. So what happens when you have a heart attack is our arteries get blocked. And as a result of that blockage, the blood cannot carry enough oxygen to the other organs and those organs shut down. So your heart pumps blood to the lungs, to your kidneys, to your liver, to your pancreas, to your brain. And if it gets blocked, everything shuts down and we end up having a heart attack. Well, just like physically, spiritually, we can have everything shut down and we lose our connection with God. We get blocked. What causes blocks? Well, I'm, I'm distracted, you just get distracted with life. This is what happened during the pandemic. Did you know that 35% of people who came to church will never come back to church again as a result of what happened in the last year? They're not coming to church anymore. Church is very important, by the way to keep your connection with God. See, this is why when you wake up in the morning on Sunday, you're like, man, I really don't wanna go today. That's the most important time to go because the enemy is gonna use that moment to try to block you because you can say, oh, I can just skip this week. It's just one week. Well, one week leads to two weeks, leads to four weeks, leads to six weeks. And the next thing you know, somebody's texting you, go, hey, where are you at? And you're like, oh, you know, life got in the way. I got distracted. I got distracted. And so I lose my connection I get blocked, my heart, and the Bible calls someone who had a heart attack somebody who has a hard heart. You say, I don't have a hard heart just because I don't come to church. Maybe not right now, but eventually your soil of your heart will fall into one of those three categories if we aren't Proverbs 4, 23, guarding it with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Are you following what I'm saying? So another, another thing that causes us to disconnect, and this is not politically correct, sin. I know that's not something we like to talk about right now, but sin, you know what sin is. Sin is when we miss the mark. We disobey God. Compromise. 
is a big one. When we start to dumb down the word of God, we don't like this page in the Bible, let's just rip that one out. I don't like that one. That whole sleeping with your girlfriend before married, I don't really like that. It's not culturally relevant. It's not like God doesn't understand what's going on in our life. So the reason he put that in there was for a reason. Hello. Hello. Come on, help me out out there. Not getting many amens in this Lutheran church. All right. Shame and guilt. Big one. Religion. A religious spirit. Legalistic. Jesus was very critical of the Pharisees because they were legalistic. He got angry with them because they had lost their connection with God. On the outside, everything looked really good. They were really connected with God, but really they were disconnected or they would have recognized him in the flesh. Hello? Disconnected. I asked him, I said, so what else? What else causes it? I asked the doctor, so what else causes our heart to have problems? And he said, a big one is what's called heart arrhythmia, where our heart doesn't beat right. Starts beating flutters or beats too fast or beats too slow. So what they have to do is the doctors have created this way of restarting your heart. It's called a cardioversion where they come in and with chemicals and electricity, they stop your heart and then they restart it in order to get it back into the right rhythm. Life is a rhythm. Spiritual life is a rhythm. There's a, there's a rhythm spiritually that you can get in. Sometimes we find it in services. Like on some weekends, man, we'll hit it, just like nail it. You guys come in, you're expectant, your heart's ready. We as a church, the worship team, everybody connects, and then all of a sudden you just feel this flow that happens spiritually. You felt it before. You've been in an environment. Sometimes you do this physically. You get with somebody, man, you just kind of connect. You're like, yeah, man, you, you and me, we're just on the same page. We're in the same rhythm. Well, it's the same with God. Our heart gets in rhythm with his heart. You know God's got a heart? You know his heart can be grieved? He has a rhythm, and we, when we know his heart, we can connect with his heart. But there are things that can cause our heart to get irregular, to get off rhythm, to get disconnected, separated from his rhythm. Things like unforgiveness. These are things that can cause our heart to get out of balance. Listen, unforgiveness is a very important, bitterness, anger, hurt, injustice. But here's what I've learned over 30 plus years of being a Christian. Trouble is God's friend. He really does use trouble. You go through a problem, you know what he does? Is he lets you know so much that you are dependent upon him. And through the trouble, he uses that trouble. I'm not saying he caused it. Let's be honest. Most of the trouble we get in is, I did it. At least that's what my wife tells me. My fault. I'm the one who put myself there. We can't blame God. That's why God says, I'll, I'll take care of things. In Isaiah 30, he says, moreover, the light of the moon, I love this verse, will be as the light of the sun. You know what that means? That means that just, just like we think darkness is coming, God's gonna turn it around and make it shine bright. We think we may be in a dark moment, but he's gonna make that dark moment seem just as bright as it was before. 
and the light of the sun will be sevenfold. You thought it was bad? He's gonna make it seven times better as the light of seven days. In the day that the Lord will, Lord binds up the bruise of his people. Where do bruises happen? Underneath the skin, right? A bruise is you are bleeding underneath the skin. Isn't that amazing? So God says, not only am I gonna take care on the inside, and heals the stroke of their wound. I'm gonna take care of you on the outside as well. Come on, give God some praise for that. Isn't that wonderful to know? Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing, as a believer, okay, if you've made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, understand something when it comes to the enemy. He wants to mess your heart up. Not just physically, but also spiritually. He wants, he wants to, to get you off kilter on your seat. And I've learned that the birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. When you get saved and born again, there's a bullseye on your back, on your head, on your chest, that all of hell is trying to knock you out. So, with that being said, I just wanna share two thoughts with you today on how to have some open heart surgery. Now, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to get off the table before we're done. Okay, don't jump out of anesthesia. You know, the Bible says grace with truth. You know what they are, right? You know, grace is God's anesthesia because you don't like the truth, so you need to be asleep when he cuts you. (laughs) So if you have grace without truth, nothing happens. You just go to sleep, wake up, nothing changes. If you have truth without grace, hurts way too bad, you jump off the table. So God anesthetizes you, anesthetizes you, anesthetizes, thanks Brian, anesthetizes you so that he can kind of cut you a little bit and that's okay, it, it, it helps us in the process. So let's, let's get some heart surgery today. Two things, just real simple. When problems don't make sense in the physical, then there is something spiritual going on. Now I don't know about you, but one of the things that I tend to do when something physical is happening and I can't figure out why it's happening. I kind of create a loop that I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, I'm just logically, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what the, what's the problem here? You know, I start on the outside and work my side down. Then I get to the place where I'm just repenting for everything. Anybody ever done that? I mean, you Google repent, just re- start repeating other people's sins. You start repenting for this and that. You didn't do, ever do any of that stuff, but you're still repenting just in case, just to cover all your bases. Because we think that if I can deal with it on the outside, that it'll go away, when reality is, is there's a spiritual root that needs to happen. There's a heart issue, a problem with the foundation of who we are. Some physical things that I ha- have seen that are really spiritual issues. They manifest themselves physically, but are really spiritual roots. Here's one, insomnia. I can't sleep at night. It's a, there's probably a spiritual root that's causing it. How many of y'all have a hard time sleeping at night? Raise your hand. Just be honest, it's okay. A lot of people, about 30 plus percent of people in America have a really hard time sleeping. Well, it's not, a phys- it, not necessarily a physical thing. It's probably something spiritual. And we have to deal, deal with it from a spiritual standpoint. Migraine headaches. How many of y'all have migraine headaches? Raise your hand if you have migraine headaches. Probably a spiritual issue. Depression. Probably a spiritual issue. Anxiety. 
probably a spiritual, cancer, cancer, probably a spiritual issue, chronic pain. I just hurt, my back hurts, my knee hurts, my leg hurts. I've got this elbow thing. Just, so you, you, you kind of push your way through it when in reality, it's a spiritual issue. Arthritis. A lot of these things that I'm telling you are physical ailments that have a spiritual root. And what is the enemy trying to do? The enemy is trying his best to remove anything he can from your heart, to try to disrupt you. So we have to shift our focus away from the physical and onto the spiritual. Let me give you some things to think about, okay? I'm dealing with a physical ailment that has a spiritual root. So what do I need to do? I need to shift my focus, <coughs> shift it. I need to move it away from the physical onto the spiritual. So here's the first thing. It could be an anchor from your past. I have a boat and my, my, my kids and I will go out on my boat and, and I drop the anchor because I want to stop in that particular place. And my anchor has these two little flaps that stick out that have points on them and they're meant to go down in the ground and dig into the ground. So I move my boat, I get the anchor in the ground. You know, it's really hard and I've done this before if I forget that the anchor's out and then I hit the gas, I don't go anywhere. So what happens to us with our past is we have something that happened to us in our past that we've thrown an anchor in. We, we've, it's dug its way down into that, a failure, a problem, an issue, a person. And we've thrown that anchor down, it's caught, and we're trying to move into our next phase of life, and as a result, we're just stuck. We, we're, we're stuck. Listen, today, cut the rope. Just cut the rope. Don't even worry about the anchor. You could buy another one. Just, just cut the rope. Leave your past in the past. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I love this verse. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm not supposed to look at anybody according to the flesh. Well, God's also talking about you looking at yourself. Because how often do we hold ourselves captive to what we did yesterday. We've repented, but we keep, keep rehearsing it, keep rehearsing it, keep rehearsing it. Keep, if I would've done this, if I would've done that, if I would've changed this, if I would've changed that, if I, if I would've said this, if I would've said that, you rehearse it and rehearse it instead of just leaving the anchor behind because God has something more for you. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh and now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, I love therefores, why? Because you check what it's there for. Because I'm not regarding anyone according to the flesh, including myself. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Point at your neighbor say, you're brand new today. You're brand new. Old things have what? Passed away. Drop the anchor. Look at your neighbor say, drop the anchor. Leave it behind. Behold, all things have become new. Here's, here's a, another thing you can shift your focus is a label that needs to be ripped off. Mm. I've been labeled, you've been labeled, people label you, society labels you. They put a, they put a label on you, your family poosh, labels you. You'll never be this. Maybe an old relationship labels you. So we walk around, we got all these labels. Sometimes we even label ourselves. That conversation that's on the inside, we just keep repeating. 
calling ourselves, oh, you'll never do this. You'll never make this. You'll never go to college. You'll never get married again. You'll never find a man. You'll never find a woman. You'll never get a job. You'll never buy a house. You'll never. And so you've, you've, you've put yourself, you've labeled this, labeled yourself. Another one is generational curses. Big one. Remember, we're talking about a physical problem that we need to deal with spiritually. We need to allow God to get into our heart to do this surgery spiritually. Generational curse. What's a generational curse? Something that's been passed down from generation to generation. There are three words in the Bible that describe sin. Great study. This would be a great thing for you to, if you want to do a good Bible study, look up these three words. The word sin, the word trespass, and the word iniquity. Three words. We usually kind of transpose them. They all mean the same thing, when in reality, they each one means something a little bit different. Sin means missing the mark. If I shoot a target, I'm a little off. That, that's what the Bible calls a sin. I, I'm, I'm shooting at a specific target, and I miss it. So, so God says, go here. I go a little bit left. God says, go here. I just go a little bit right. God says, go here. I go a little bit down. That's, that's called sin. Trespass. Trespass is I, I'm, I'm stepping over the boundary. That's what a trespass is. God built the fence, I jump it. Who needs the fence? God shouldn't have put that fence there in the first place. He doesn't know what's good for me. I know what's good for me. Really? Why did he build the fence? To protect you? Yeah, but I don't need no protecting. I can protect myself. So you jump the fence, right? And the third one is iniquity. Iniquity is an interesting word. It literally means to be bent. It means to, it's like a, I don't know if you've ever seen a tree that's kind of curved a certain way. It's kind of bent a certain way. That's exactly what it means. Because a general, generational curse is a, a curse that as, as a result of generations being bent a certain way, this is where addictions come from, cancer can be passed down. Science calls it genetics. God calls it generational so you're bent a certain way. So how do you deal with it? You gotta repent into your past. Nobody dealt with it. I gotta, I gotta deal with it. I gotta deal with it. I'm, I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. From my family forward, we're not gonna deal with cancer. We're not gonna deal with alcoholism. We're not gonna deal with drug addiction. We're not gonna deal with these, these things that our family has been for so many years bent towards iniquity. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, trespass. He was bruised for our iniquities. Because iniquities are a result of something internal. Are you following me? Everybody here today? You good so far? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. And then the last one is an inner vow. Inner vow. And then number two, number two. Spiritual issues can't be resolved in normal ways. If you want to deal with something spiritually, you have to deal with it spiritually. So often what we do is we have this physical issue that's manifesting physically. We don't realize that it's a spiritual thing. We got to attack it spiritually, but we got to do it with spiritual ammo. So God gives us all this great, these great tools, prayer. Wow. I know it seems so difficult, but prayer is so easy. Prayer is just talking to God, communicating with God. Instead of Googling your problem, calling your friend, texting, 
Go to God with it. Revolutionary. Here's a big one, forgive. Forgiveness is a tool that God gives us. Spirit, it's a spiritual action. Forgive. I'm, I'm sure that, that we all can probably remember someone who really hurt us. I went through some challenges about three years ago with some people, betrayed me. I mean, they're really mean, extremely hard to deal with. And I had a really difficult time forgiving them really hard time. And I'm a pastor, you know, I'm supposed to do all that stuff. And it was really difficult, challenging. I, I prayed, I was like, God, I, I, I would, I just, if I can just, can I just be honest? Is that all right? This might mess some of you up, but I'm just gonna be honest. I, I would pray, God, I don't wanna run into him because I didn't know what I'd do. I didn't know if old Troy was gonna come out. You don't really wanna know old Troy. <laughs> old Troy was not very nice. He was a scrapper. You know, so old Troy, you don't want to meet old Troy. I didn't want to meet old Troy. I didn't like old Troy. That's why I got saved, so I could get rid of old Troy. But old Troy, you know, wanted to go old school on him, open up a can. (laughs) So I'm like, Lord, I don't want to run into these people in the grocery store. Because I don't know what I would do. I'd go to jail. I mean, I knew what, I know the, I, I wrote down the ramifications. You will be in the news. You will go to jail. You will lose your church. Your wife will get mad at you. So I had to forgive because it was causing me physical problems. So I had to deal with it spiritually. So you know how I started doing it? I started saying it out loud. I had to start like, I forgive, and I would put their name, I would say their name. Anytime they, I would think about them, because I wanted to kill them, so I'd have to go, I forgive, I forgive. So I would say it out loud for a long time, I forgive. I even wrote it on my mirror in my house. So every morning I would wake up, I forgive, and I had the list of people that were down the, down the side and down over here. No, I'm just kidding. It was just one side. I forgive, I forgive, I, sometimes you got to just say it out loud, and, and it came to a point where it started to kind of sink in a little bit, I forgive, and then I could say it inside, inside, I, I didn't have to necessarily say it outside, because it started changing the way that I saw them, and then, then it became where, instead of, when I thought about them, the pain of what they did had diminished, and at, that was a result of me confessing by faith that I forgive because it's, it's a choice that I have forgive. It's not a based on my feelings because my feelings, old Troy, wanted to come out. But by faith, I just forgave. This is for somebody today. So, somebody here, you got to start saying it out loud. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And then it became internal. And then it got to the point where when I think about them, and I don't think about them that often anymore, but when I thought about them, Lord bless them. They know not what they do. (laughs) I'm not saying that I didn't do anything wrong in the situation, absolutely. But I held them in the prison of my heart. Love, love's a big one. Love is a, spiritual tool, ammo that God gives us. What does love look like? Suffering long, kindness, bearing all things, believing all things, 
hoping all things. Here's a big one. Here's another spiritual tool that God gives us, generosity, being generous. Let me tell you what generous isn't. Generous isn't calling the church and saying, I've got a 1987 computer that I wanna donate (laughs) because it's taken some room up in my closet and I need to get rid of it. You might be able to use it, pastor. That's not generous, okay? That's junk transfer, (laughs) JT, all right? Just write that down. Generous is when you, generosity is sacrifice. I'm giving something. It's not necessarily money. It could be your time. It could be your energy, your talent. Serving, serving someone, using your faith. See, most people, when they have a physical problem, they pull back instead of press in. When they have an issue with their heart, they pull away instead of press in. I want to challenge you. Instead of pulling away, press in. Press in to God. Press into his kingdom. Press in to relationship. Press in. Well, what if it happens again? It probably will. But that's when we recognize the healing power of God so much more every time. So let, let, me just, let me just say this and I'm done, okay? Here's three things to remember and then I'm finished, okay? It's a season, not a sentence. It's a season. It's just a season. Just a season. It'll be over soon. The sun will come up tomorrow. Even though the clouds are covering up and it's raining again, the sun's gonna come up. The sun's gonna come up every day. It's a season, not a sentence. It's not a life sentence. Sure, it's tough right now, but it's just a season. It's just a season. Remind yourself of that. It's just a season. With your kids, it's just a season. With your marriage, it's just a season. With your job, it's just a season. Just keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. It's just a season. It's just a season. Secondly, listen, listen. The pain you feel is the pain you can heal. We don't like pain. Why? Because it hurts. When I was going through my anxiety, I didn't like the pain that I felt. I, I, can, I mean, I did everything I could to push it down. I don't want to tell anybody about it. I don't want to talk to my wife about it. I felt shameful. I felt uh, weak. I felt, I felt like, like I was insufficient. What was happening is the hero that I wanted to be was wrestling with the human that I was. I wanted to be this hero, and God was saying, no, you're human. Let me be the hero. Let me, let me be the one who takes over. I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the one. And I, I compartmentalize. This is for the men in the room because we're good at compartmentalizing our, our pain. We're good at putting it aside and not talking about it, not dealing with it. Ladies, you guys are w- way better than us at, at navigating your pain. We need some help in this area. But the pain you feel is the pain that God can heal. It's not, it's not fun but God can heal it. And then the last thing, just, just practical stuff. God is attracted to weakness. Here's his promise. His promise is, I'll give you a new heart. Put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. That's the promise. But he's attracted 
to weakness. So what is, what is weakness? I surrender. I surrender. When I was young, I used to get in trouble every now and then. The BC days, okay? When, when the cops would come up behind you, back then you didn't pull out your phone and try to videotape them. You put your hands up. I surrender like I'm giving up. A surrendered heart is an open heart. A surrendered heart is an open heart. Why don't you stand up on your feet and we're just gonna take some time and let God do some surgery before we go home. A surrendered heart is a heart that welcomes the presence of God. Weakness, when we, when we, do, when we display areas of weakness in our life, God shows up with his grace, with his power. Close your eyes. Do you have some people you need to forgive? A person you need to forgive? They could be dead and gone. You need to let them go. I forgive. Say their name. I forgive. Say it out. I forgive. Just surrender your heart today. I felt the Holy Spirit all day today. He's here in this room just to do surgery on you. Maybe you need to lift your hands. I surrender, God. Open your heart. Let the Holy Spirit come and plow up that hard soil. Past church hurt can be some of the most difficult and painful things to deal with. Let God, let God heal you. Let God just surrender to Him right now. If you're online, just surrender to Him. Just close your eyes, surrender to Him. Just take a couple seconds. Just take a couple seconds. Just say, God, I surrender. I surrender. I want my heart to be open to you. The seat of my desires, the seat of my character, the seat of my integrity, the seat of my emotions. My heart is open to you, God. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Maybe you need to surrender your heart to Jesus. It's been a long time. Or maybe for the first time. Just surrender to Him. Just put your hand right on your heart. I surrender my heart to you, my life to you. I surrender to you, God. I surrender my addictions to you. I surrender my marriage to you. I surrender my kids to you. My son, my daughter. I surrender my wife to you. I surrender my pain to you, God. Holy Spirit, come and fill. God, I pray right now that you would fill hearts to overflowing right now. Fill hearts in Jesus' name. Church, would you just pray this out loud? Say, Heavenly Father, I'm surrendered to you. I give you my heart. I give you everything. I give you my life. I surrender. I surrender all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God some praise. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House. 
and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.